0: Seeing everybody today. Um, hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. And let's realize uh, the weather's getting a little cooler now. So it's, uh, it's a good time now. I-, I cannot bear too hot and too cold. Probably in a wrong state, but um, good to see that the weather's changing a little bit these days. Well, if you're new, uh, good to see you guys here. Uh, welcome to our church. My name is Aidan. I'm the pastor of this church hope you're having a wonderful time worshiping God with the uh, people here. And for the rest of us, I uh, hope you had a great week, especially um, the first week of life groups uh, during um, this new season. I hope you had a good time with your uh, new life groups as well as old life groups. Hope we can grow together as a community uh, during this season. And take a little sip of water before we start. So I don't, you know, my voice won't crack as much. So give me a second. All right. Today, for our time of the sermon, uh, we will take a little break from Book of Mark. And we're going to go to the very first book of the Bible named Genesis. And uh, specifically, we're going to look at chapter 2, uh, probably last verse of chapter 2, uh, or close to the last, last verse of the chapter 2, and uh, verse uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13, and then 21, and I hope that it'll be a, just a good time hearing God's word and got to apply it uh, in our lives. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 25, and then I'll Uh, Jump over to chapter 3 afterwards and uh, read on. So if you would also like to follow me on the screen, there's also verses uh, listed there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Uh, Read it for us. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And verse 6 of chapter 3 So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten of the tree of, of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. In verse 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Uh, that is God's word. Uh, would you buy your heads with me? And let's pray together if, uh, before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word. God, uh, we want to be reminded of who you are and who we are in you today. So may you speak powerfully uh, through this time, through your word, so that we will leave this place uh, refreshed and renewed, but not for ourselves, but we'll leave this place to be empowered to live for you and May all the praise go to you because that is a good life as opposed to living for ourselves. Help us, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you before we go any further um uh, the, the words of this song called Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Uh I want to take a poll this time. Uh, and every time I take a poll about old songs, I feel old. So if you know this song, great. If, if you don't, that's fine too. Well, this song, uh, it was a very popular song in, in my generation when I was in high school and probably in college too. Um, it's a great song, uh, very melodically, very good song. Uh, but the words are pretty deep too. And the song starts with these words. Uh, don't look at me. And it goes on to say these words. Verse 1, Every day is so wonderful, then suddenly it's hard to breathe. Now and then I get insecure. From all the pain, I'm so ashamed. And verse 2, To all your friends you are delirious, so consumed in all your doom, trying hard to fill the emptiness. The piece is gone, left the puzzle undone. Is that the way it is? The chorus goes, I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, words can't bring me down. So don't you bring me down today. I really appreciate this song uh, because it's very honest about the emptiness and insecurity of human souls. And the person tries to convince himself or herself that they are beautiful despite how they feel. But you can almost feel the doubt of that conviction. The person is not so sure whether they're really beautiful. Uh, through today's passage, we will see how we came to where we are now, to the place of insecurity and emptiness in our lives. But also the Bible will present a solution to that. You know, We'll also see how God heals us in that state and how the gospel can actually make us truly beautiful and we can also be sure of it by God's grace. So let's jump right into the message part here. Uh, There are three points uh, to help you follow along. Those are the problem, the human remedy, and lastly, God's remedy. First, the problem. Uh, In this passage that we uh, looked at, or that, that we read earlier, in the first two chapters of Genesis, Uh, the author describes the perfect universe that God has designed. It's flawless and peaceful. Nothing's wrong. But in the first section of chapter 3 that we we looked at, Adam and Eve, the first humans, listen to the temptation of Satan uh, through serpent in the story and decisively disobey God. You know, by eating the fruit of the tree that God specifically told them not to eat from. And as a result of this action that essentially uh, they were trying to usurp God's rule by, sin enters the world and it's like a virus. You know, from there on, everything unravels. It totally contaminates and messes up everything that God, you know, created to be perfect and good. And now in today's passage, in particular, we will see the direct and fundamental consequence of this tragic fall and moment. So look with me. Verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So after the sin and to the world, here we see Adam and Eve realizing something that they didn't realize before, that they were buck naked. Uh, and they try to cover themselves. And you may ask, what's wrong with that, right? I mean, it's good that they're putting some clothes on. You know, They're finally you know, realizing that they are naked. So isn't that a good thing? They're doing something about it. Well, it's not good uh, because before the situation, uh, this it was not like that. So we look at, we go back to chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were okay with being naked because they had no shame. What that means is they were like, Innocent children, they're pure. They had no evil intention about, you know, or lustful intention about people's bodies, you know, other than themselves. But that also means is that they were content with their own selves. They were not embarrassed about who they are. Uh, You know, you see, they had nothing to hide because they loved how God made them. There's no shame about, you know, their own body, themselves. It was great. But now, after the fall, the nakedness matters, like big time. They're freaking out, we see in this verse. And they're trying to cover themselves with anything they could find. And the reason why, you know, they were embarrassed about themselves is because, again, now, they're not happy with who they are, how they look, etc. They think, you know, their true self is pitiful and pathetic. So they are freaking out. All that to say, they are now insecure, right? That's what it means, right? They no longer no longer enjoy the way God made them but they're now insecure. And as descendants of Adam and Eve, all of us here me you everybody we share we ha- we have inherited that insecurity and we have similar symptoms of sin in our lives. Uh, In one of his books, author Norman Peale uh, shares this story. He says, I quote, Once walking through the twisted little streets of Kowloon in Hong Kong, not the Kowloon on campus, but the real Kowloon, Hong Kong, I came upon a tattoo studio. In the window were displayed samples of the tattoos available. On the chest or, or or." Arms you could have tattooed an anchor or a flag or a mermaid or whatever, but what struck me with force were three words that could be tattooed on one's flesh, and that was "born to lose." I entered the shop in astonishment and pointing to those words, I asked the, the Chinese tattoo artist, "Does anyone really uh, you know, have?" Terrible phrase, born to lose tattooed on his body. And he replied, Yes, sometimes. But I said, I just can't believe that anyone in his right mind would do that. And the Chinese man simply tapped his forehead and said in broken English, Before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. You see, the sense of shame, the sense that they're not good enough in their natural self is embedded and etched like tattoo in every human soul and every human mind. And truthfully, honestly, it, it does affect us powerfully in our daily lives, doesn't it? You know, through our words and actions, we cry out. You no, know, I'm not good enough. You no, know, I'm not athletic enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not popular enough. And maybe for some of us, you know, you have made some, you know, crucial mistakes in your past with your, you know, bodies, words, or actions. So you constantly feel dirty about yourself because of those mistakes. And we keep finding that at the core of our being, you know, there is this incompleteness and emptiness and even ugliness about ourselves that we will not get rid of. And perhaps for some of us, you, know, you have a deeper sense of this shame to the point that it cripples you emotionally and you know, uh, mentally. There's this pain tattooed uh, in your heart. And we go, as we look at our situation right now, we go, how tragic. Before there was peace, joy, and appreciation about how God made us, but now, you know, our lives are characterized by restlessness, again, shame, and even self hatred. You know, before we go any further, can we pause a little bit and? can we absorb this and make it into our story or rather uh, can we apply this the question is you know what is your story you know how did you get to where you are now you know growing up did you have any shame and insecurity you know what or who often made you you know, feel ashamed of yourself? You know, could it be a family environment? Could it be, you know, friends you hung out with or the culture or schools or jobs you worked at? Whatever it may be, you know, what caused you to think that you're not good enough? That you don't like the way you are? And do you still have any shame in certain areas right now? And what are they? You know, what are some you know, pain and anguish in you that nobody else knows about but you? You see, the Genesis account and also the whole Bible is supposed to tell us our story too because we, when we read the Bible, we find ourselves and our own stories in the Bible and see that we're part of this whole narrative. It's like a mirror. We find our own story. In the Bible. So what is your story? As we consider that. Let's look at how the first humans. Responded to. This shame problem. And we'll see that unfortunately. It didn't work out great. And we also see that. We don't do any better. So we go to the second point. Human remedy. Let's read verse 7 again. You know, it said, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Let me read it again the, the last sentence. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That's what they did. When they realized they were naked, they covered themselves. Fig leaves. But I need you to uh, look at or make this observation about this sentence, especially the word uh, made. It says they made themselves loincloths with fig leaves. It's interesting because the word made or make to make, you know, if you pay attention to the first uh, two chapters of this book, you know, you notice that the verb made or make. Uh, was always reserved for God. The Hebrew word is you know, asah. It was always reserved for God in that it was God who made stars and animals. It was God who provided everything for humans. It was God who provided solution to their problems. But now, humans use that word and they, again, take the place of God and try to fix their own problems by themselves. You see, that's essence of sin. Sin is when we ignore, you know, God's kingly rule over our lives, because he's the one that created us and he's the one that can save us and you know, heal us, but we usurp his rule and try to do things by our own rules and by our own solutions. We try to fix ourselves instead of looking to God. Another word to describe that is pride. Pride. And that's what the first humans did. And let's now see how well they did it by trying to fix their own problems. And I want to show you on the next slide a picture of uh, fig leaves. It's a miniature version, but it shows the the shape very well. Uh, As you can see, these leaves are very unique in that there are a lot of indentations, right? And what that means is it's not the best shape to cover yourselves, like let alone your private parts. you can't. It's not the best shape. But not just the shape. If you think about it, these are leaves, meaning after a few days, they will decompose. It will go away. And you are left again, naked. But that's all they could find. And you can imagine how ridiculous they must, must have looked trying to Cover themselves and these leaves are not doing their job. But you see, that's what happens when humans try to fix their own problems instead of looking to God. You know, they use whatever they could find in the world to try to cover themselves, somehow remedy the the their their self that they don't like. That's all they could find. And going a little deeper there, apply now. I mean, there are indeed, there are, you know, fake leaves in our lives, aren't there? In order to hide our shame, you know, some of us may cover ourselves, you know, with uh, good performance in school, good career, good romantic relationship, marriage, good family, financial security, All good things, right? God gave us these things, but we're trying to cover ourselves with these things. And maybe for some of us, covering means, you know, being nice to people and please people and get their approval and you feel better about yourself. For some of us, you know, covering means your own morality. You're a good person and you feel better about yourself, maybe better than other people. Covering. And lastly, just like a song, You know, we read in the beginning some some people try to convince ourselves that they're okay. They're even beautiful with their words and even some positive thinking. That may work for a little bit but still fig leaves. It's because deep inside there's this self that we don't like. We try to cover ourselves but these are not working because they are fig leaves after all. They can't you know, remedy our deep problems about ourselves. And sometimes these coverings make things even worse. Uh, there's this movie uh, called The Mask. Go to the next slide. Uh, it's an old movie uh, with the Jim Carrey in it. And uh, uh, this guy uh, plays a character who's basically Basically a loser, like like loser. Uh you know, he gets ridiculed by people around him all the time, and, and and therefore he's always quite down on himself. And then out of nowhere, he finds this random magical mask that when he wears it, it turns him into this you know overly confident, sexy beast, you know, who can make anything happen at his will. So he just, you know, goes at it. He just goes all out with its newfound power. And with that, you know, he gets money. He gets the girl of his dreams. And he gains popularity. Everybody loves him. Popularity. And at that moment, it, it seems like all his shame is gone. But not so. Towards the end of the movie, we see that he gets even more insecure about himself because he realizes that without the mask, his true self is pitiful, pathetic. So he constantly needs to rely on his mask to feel better, to look better. And he does it, he, he relies on this mask as if his life depends on it because without that, he's nothing. Isn't that true for our coverings, too? You know, we may tend to rely on, you know, of all these things that we just mentioned earlier, our coverings, to feel more secure, only to realize that they do not, you know, solve our problems. Meaning, for example, when our school jobs and relationships don't work out, What do we do? They are fig leaves. So the question now is, is there hope for us in this vicious cycle of, you know, putting some covering on ourselves and be disappointed and then cover other coverings or find other coverings and cover ourselves with and be be disappointed? This vicious cycle, is there any hope And the Bible presents God as our ultimate remedy. So we look to God now. Last point, God's remedy. So look with me, you know, how God deals with our shame problem. First of all, I need you to look at the the attitude that God has towards the fallen humanity. How does he feel about the fallen people? Verse 9 and 10, here's how he reacts. It says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And jump to verse 11. Says He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So what does God do to the people who just messed up? He asks, he asks questions. Why? I mean, does he need information? Does he really have no idea what just happened? Isn't he God? He is. He, of course, knows everything. He knows everything. He doesn't need to get more information. So the reason why he's asking questions to these people who just messed up It's because by asking these rhetorical questions, God wants Adam and Eve to confess their own sins and repent. Do you see that? You know, again, God could have totally listed all the things that they that they did wrong and made them feel like they're you know total screw up. He could have done that. But instead, by asking questions. He's making Adam to own up to what he did wrong and turn around and repent and be restored to him. Meaning, when people mess up, God's attitude is that of grace. And it's interesting, it's all of the Bible. So we jump over to John 21. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it's a story where after you know Jesus died and you know rose again, but before Jesus died, you know Peter, his best friend, who should have protected Jesus, but he ran away and he even uh, betrayed Jesus and he even um, told people around them that he didn't know him, he denied him three times. He messed up so after all of that in john twenty one when Jesus finds Peter. And when he confronts him, what does he do? He asks questions. In fact, the question is, do you love me? And he asked that three times. Can you guess why three times? Because that's, that's the time, how many times Peter denied Jesus. He's trying to encourage Peter, empower Peter to own up to his wrong, confess and repent and love Jesus as much as he he has denied him. That's heart of grace to people who have messed up. So what that means for us is when we mess up, when God approaches us in grace, when he asks questions, may we not run away And try to find other coverings to solve our problems. But he wants us to tell our stories to him and share and repent and be restored because God, his heart is grace towards us when we mess up. And lastly, after seeing his heart and attitude towards us, can we now look at his action to solve our problems? And we find that in verse 21. It says, The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God covers their nakedness and shame. I want you to first notice this. I think it's crucial here. Can you also, uh, can you uh, particularly look at the word uh, made here? And remember that we looked at this uh, word earlier, right? When Adam and Eve used that word to, you know, make themselves loincloths, to cover themselves with thick leaves. But here, God uses the same Hebrew word, asa. He now uses it to cover humans. Meaning, God takes back the word that was stolen. He takes back his rightful place as God and Savior, deliverer. And he deals with the problems that we couldn't deal with ourselves. Because the problem that we face in our lives, those are things that only he can deal with. We can't solve them. And here's what happens, right? So when God sees this pathetic fig leaf outfit and he see how ridiculous they, that look, that looks. And in grace, he approaches them. He takes those clothing off. And he covers them with, it says, clothing, garment of skin. Uh, skin there means is animal skin. You can maybe call that leather outfit then. He replaces this, you know, fragile leaf outfit with a skin outfit. And right away, you can see this much better, right? a lot more durable and probably look better on them too. It's a much better outfit. And here we see right away, man, instead of exposing them to further shame, God covers their shame. But of course, we have to understand that by this picture God is pointing forward to ultimate outfit because even the the leather animal skin outfit decomposes eventually there's got to be something more ultimate than that and that is the covering of Jesus Christ so we look in Galatians 3 26-27 it says so in Christ Jesus You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Think about what happened to Jesus. Just as the animal had to be killed to become leather outfit, Jesus Christ was killed and died the shameful death that you and I deserve on the cross so that he could pay for our sins and become our garment. And now, Jesus covers everything, our shame, everything. But not only that, not only did did Jesus die, but he also rose again. What that means is, not only is he covering us as a dead skin, but he's alive, he's actively representing us before God through his perfect righteousness. So we read in verse Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning if you receive Jesus Christ by faith, not by your performance or works, but if you just receive him as gift, not only is your shame covered, but also now before God, you look stunning, even beautiful. Because Jesus is beautiful. That's what righteousness means, right? His perfect. Under Jesus, we are righteous perfectly. And we call that justification. What that means is, as we go through our lives, we must put our identity and worth in Jesus alone, not in other coverings that we can find in the world. Only he gives us the beauty that we want, the rest that we that we want, security that we want. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, I wanted to show this video, but uh, there's some technical difficulty. So I can just um, share with you uh, what uh, they share in this video. I think I showed this video before, so maybe some of you might remember. But it's a video of uh, these two athletes uh, representing the USA in the diving competition. Uh, And their names are David Budia and uh, Steele Johnson, and they had just won uh, silver medals uh, in the competition in the uh, I think Rio Olympics, uh, and and they're having an interview with the, the reporter. And by the way, uh, I'm not trying to share that these are model Christians, uh, so to speak. But uh, you know, because I, I don't really know them personally, I don't know where they are spiritually right now. But I think how they respond before the reporter um, helps us to know how we should respond to our life circumstances. But here's what they said. When the reporter you know, asked them you know, their, about their journey and how they won the medal and how they feel now, you know, both of them basically said that you know, going to the competition, they felt enormous pressure of how this may define their life and their career and everything. But then, being Christians, they said to themselves that their identity is in Christ. That's what defines them and his, their joy. So that no matter what happens in this competition, I can have joy. And that helped them, you know, have peace as they competed in front of the whole world. And if you think about it, you know, Olympic medal is a great covering, isn't it? You know, it'll truly make you look good and feel good. Why not? But they at the time understood that if they rely on these coverings, they'll be disappointed. You know, if, if the career is their athletic career is their covering, they will crumble eventually because you know their joy will depend on how they perform, right? You know, if they perform well, they'll be exceedingly happy just for at least a few months. But then if they do not perform well, they will break. And they didn't want that. Instead, they looked to the everlasting covering of Jesus Christ. Their worth was in Christ and he was what made them beautiful, not these other coverings. And I know at this moment, as we just looked at their example, uh, it's probably a quite a different challenge, you know, like, like for them, you know, they just succeeded. They just won a medal and they're sharing this. But I think it's a different challenge when you just have failed, you know, at winning the medal or, you know, doing well in school or careers, whatever. That's it. You just have failed. I think that's a real challenge where just like they did in different situations, we should cling hard onto identity in Christ. Because at that moment of failure, what will happen is the Satan will tell you, man, you're worthless. You just failed. Where's your value now? Right? And I believe that's when God is calling us to have faith in what Jesus has done. That he is What defines you not? Those things that you try to cover yourselves with. And that's the challenge as we go back to our callings, you know, after this, to our relationships, you know, tomorrow as the work and school start. Could we remember that it is Christ? If you look at Colossians 3, verse 4, it says, it's not on the screen, but it says, Christ is your life. Christ is your life. If He is truly your covering, He is what defines you. No matter what happens, no matter how you perform, He is your life. He is what makes you worthy and beautiful because Jesus is beautiful and He is your justification. So let us Live for Him now with that in mind. Uh, Let's stop living for ourselves, trying to cover ourselves through the things that we do, but let's praise Jesus for what He has done and what He's doing through us in our lives. Let's praise Him. Let's live for Him in freedom because He is our perfect outfit and He's our identity for us. Let's pray together. Before we uh, close with a song, let's spend some time in silent prayer, uh, just committing with God. Um, I think for me, it's astonishing. When I see the image of God as someone that runs after sinners, I think we see that especially in you know Luke 15, where there are images of Jesus being the shepherd, looking after the lost sheep, uh, also a woman looking for lost coin, and lastly the father, you know who. Runs towards uh, us, uh, prodigal son. And what that means to me is um, whenever you hear God's word, um, you know, God is speaking to you. God is asking the question, where are you? Where are you? God knows where we are, but He asks that. He wants us to come back and be restored in a true sense. So right now as we uh, process the the word of God um, can we just uh, ask God to help us to be honest with Him and that we would Have our hearts open towards Him and receive His gift of grace and and wear the, the garment of Jesus Christ. Stop running away, but be embraced by the Father. And truly declare that Calvary covers it all. Pray together. It's asking God to move our hearts. Holy Spirit works in us. Pray together. Let us uh, come before God, um, and just at the moment, I know there are many different things you know that might be running through our heads and a lot to process. But um, if you can just take a moment to imagine, you know, what it would be like if we put all of our trust in Jesus what he has done and who we can be in him what that means is whatever we do we can do those things you know with freedom with no more concern to um, accomplish things to cover ourselves meaning there's no more ulterior motive We can be present in every single thing that we do. We can just simply enjoy, you know, each each other's company. We can just enjoy even the the toil that we have to put into our work and school and things that we do. Can we imagine that? And I believe that's the life that God is calling us to, because there is freedom that is available for those who are in Christ. And maybe for those of us, you know, you are uh, still trying to understand Christianity and, and uh, trying to make a decision uh, after really understanding what the gospel is. And, and this is it. That Christ, in love, you know, died for us and rose again so that by faith alone, Not by us trying hard, but by faith alone, we can receive his gift and live a life that God has designed for us. And for those of us who have been following Jesus, let's come back to the cross and, you know, find our identity in Christ. That if he truly lives in me, oh man, what am I living for? But live for God. He already gave everything to me and I have all I need. My heart is content and I live for Him alone. He's my security. He's my treasure. So let's pray to God together asking God to make that imagination of reality in our lives and especially heal our hearts. I know Many of us, it's not that simple, right? There are a lot of things that have happened in our lives that hinder us from grasping God's gift uh, in a full sense. And that alone, um, it is God. Uh, that also is God that heals us and brings us to full health uh, before Him. So let's come to God together, asking Him honestly for all these needs that we have and may He work in our hearts as we close. Let's pray together.